Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. Our guiding principle number four here at ALWC says that prayer is the highest privilege and the greatest weapon in the life of the believer. And one of the best ways to start prayer is through praise. So today we begin a new series titled 40 Days of Prayer with a message titled Praise Him. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the broadcast. Hallelujah. Are you blessed this morning? Amen. Amen. Blessings. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, speak through me today. Let everyone here have an ear to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> 40 days of prayer. So on Thursday, we actually started 40 days of praying together. If you want to join us in 40 days of prayer, what I want you to do is go to our website, AbundantLifeWorship.net. AbundantLifeWorship.net. The very first thing you should see is something that pops up that says 40 days of prayer. And just click on, there's a little button there that says pray with us. Click that on and you'll get access to all the materials you need for pray with us. Amen. So what we have on there is a lesson, which is a lesson we covered on Wednesday night. And there is a prayer journal and you can download both of those, print them up, whatever you like and pray right with us. Every day there's a passage for you to read and meditate on. And some, some, some brief questions to ask you about that passage that will help your prayers. So you can begin every morning just reading that, answering the questions, and then going right into your prayer day. Amen? So again, AbundantLifeWorship.net. That's our webpage. And when you get there, just click on Pray With Us. And like I said, you'll see, you'll, you can't miss the 40 days of prayer banner. If you miss that, you're at the wrong place. Amen? All right, so join us. Now, so what we're going to do today <clears throat> is we're going to talk about prayer a little bit. So what I want you to do is open your Bibles to Matthew 22, Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to begin at verse 37, <clears throat> which is where we have been spending some time when we're talking about a new year, a new me. So the new year, new you rests on a couple of things. The first thing it rests on is the fact that in Christ, you're a new creation. And we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So we know that we're a new creation. So tell your neighbor, say, I am a new creation in Christ. The old me has passed away. All things about me have become new. And these new things are of God who has loved me and given me the ministry of reconciliation. You're a new creation and God has given you not only a new identity, but he's given you a new purpose. And your new purpose is not to become something. Your new purpose is to manifest what you are. And that is you have been made a subject of God's love. 
So you are going to manifest what you are, which is you are a subject of God's love. And being a subject of God's love means your purpose is now to manifest love into the world. Love is manifested in five ways. The first way is love for God, to become a worshiper, to love your creator. And when we think about God in terms of being our creator, how hard is it to worship your creator? So the problem is it becomes challenging to worship your creator if you don't like what you are. If I don't like what I am, why would I want to worship what created me? That's why you need to be a new creation in Christ so that you can put the old things that you didn't like about you in the grave and become a new creation. A creation that you can love because God loves. Tell your neighbor, say, you might not have liked what you used to be. But thank God you can like what you've become. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> five kinds of love or five manifestations of love. Like I said, the first is to become a worshiper, to worship God in spirit and in truth, for God is seeking such to worship him, seeking people who will worship him in spirit and truth. The second kind is to love yourself. Love yourself means that you become a disciple, that you recognize you've been made a new creation and you're growing in God's creation for you. You're growing in what God is making you to be. So maybe you had a problem growing up. Maybe you had challenges growing up. Maybe your family rejected you. Maybe things happened wrong in your life. Maybe things you look at yourself and you don't see yourself the way other people see you because of words or things or abuse or things that came your way. Maybe all those things are true about your old creation. But what about your new creation? There's a way for you to put the old creation down and pick the new creation up. And I'm going to tell you about it today. Amen. Amen. The third thing is you got to love your neighbor. Loving your neighbor then gives us the three other of the five elements of love. Love God as a worshiper. Love yourself as a new creation and a disciple. You love your neighbor by first serving. You love your neighbor by serving your neighbor. After you serve your neighbor, you earn the right to be in your neighbor's life enough to tell your neighbor the truth about who God is. Because for the most part, people won't receive truth from strangers unless a miracle happens. That's why Jesus had to work miracles over and over and over again because he's going from one town to the next town. I don't have time to build a relationship with you. I just got to show you who I am. Pow, there I am. Now, let me tell you the truth. He had to work miracles to get people's eyes open. But you have the power of relationship to open people's eyes. You may have miracles operate in you, but you can also see other things happen. So the second way that we love our neighbor is to tell them the truth about God. Tell them the gospel, the good news. 
And the third is fellowship. It's coming into fellowship with people, connecting with people, spending time with people, being with people. That is the third type of loving people, which is the fifth manifestation of love. Now, in the church of Jesus Christ, we find people who maximize one or the other, one of the five. We find people who become great worshipers, but can't get along with other people. We find people who become great disciples, the study of the word, but they study the word so much they can't interact with other people. We find people who want to serve, and that's all I want to do. I just want to serve. We find people who only want to preach the gospel. And we find people who only want a fellowship. We find people that want to do one of them and want to specialize in one of them. But that's not the call of God. Because he said, this is the greatest commandment. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. But the second is like the first. In other words, you can't just love God. The book of 1 John, he says it like this. How can you say you love God who you can't see? And you hate your brother who you do see. How is it the love of God abides in that? How can we say we love God and we don't love people as well? But sometimes religion makes us want to love God and kill people. And many people won't follow Christianity because Christianity has a history of following that pattern. That we start loving so God, that God so much that we're willing to kill people because they don't agree with God. Instead of recognizing Christianity is not a political system. Christianity is not a political system, but we as human beings keep wanting to make it political because we want rules and regulations and we want to make everybody be Christian. You can't be a Christian by law because that's what hindered the Galatians. Paul had to say, what hindered you? You were running so well. You were walking with God. What hindered you? Well, we tried to, we tried to vote one of the Christians in the office. <laughs> and then we got legalistic about what our Christianity was. And we've had these Christians over here and you're not Christians over there. We hate you because you won't follow our rules. What hindered you? You can't make Christianity be a political system. But Christians have been identified as, quote, the right. You Christians are on the right. Well, wait a minute. How do I get on the right? I'm trying to be in the middle with God. (laughs) Wait a minute. If, If there's people on the left and people on the right and Jesus is Lord over all, Left and right doesn't work anymore. Left and right doesn't work. So when it comes to this passage and what we're talking about, we're going to settle our time in the next few minutes here on the first area of love, which is God. To love God. To love God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. If you choose to love God, then a couple of things are going to happen in your life. The first thing that's going to happen in your life is that when you start to love God, 
you're going to get to know God. And when you get to know God, you're going to find out certain things don't work in God's presence. See, when I became a Christian, nobody told me what I wasn't supposed to do. They gave me a post-it note with five scriptures on it, and that's it. That was, the, that was the end of the rules I got. Read these, study these, and God will tell you the rest. And I took those five passages and I memorized those. And I got them in my head. And all of a sudden, my life started changing. Not because everybody else was telling me to change, but because I started drawing near to God. And I started changing because I started realizing my creator has a path for me. And when I got on my creator's path, rather than my path, through Christ, I began to walk forward. And certain things no longer were important to me. Because I was being changed because of my relationship. It's like when I met Tammy. When I met Tammy, my friends would call me and they couldn't find me. Because I was somewhere else. I was with Tammy. So my friends were looking for me, but they couldn't find me. Why? Because I'm not available. I'm with Tammy. And that's what happens with you and God. There's certain things in your life that will start looking for you. They'll start calling to you, but they can't find you because they're with who you love. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Y'all don't sound excited about that. You will be. Amen? Amen. Agape love. When we talk about prayer, a couple of things you need to understand. Prayer is not trying to get God's attention. Sometimes we believe that prayer is trying to get God's attention. We're going to get God's attention because we're going to pray. You're not going to get God's attention by praying. God, you already have God's attention. God loves you. He already, you already, you're already in God's attention. The second thing that prayer is not is prayer is not trying to get God to do something. Because sometimes we believe we're going to pray and make God do something. No, you don't pray to get God to do stuff. Amen. So what is prayer? <laughs> Simple definition, three things. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is listening to God. And prayer is moving with God. It's that simple. Prayer is talking to God, listening to God. And prayer is moving with God. What is prayer? And moving with God. It's talking to God because prayer should always be a two-way communication. God is open to us talking to each other. In the book of Genesis, it tells us that Adam walked in the cool of the day and talked to God. He just walked around talking to God. It was God's will for intent that man just walk around all day talking to him. Just talking to God. But we've gotten so religious that until you go on your knees, until you assume the right thing, aim the right direction, that you're not talking to God. But Adam walked with God and talked to God all day long. Adam just walked around talking to God. So much so that when Adam fell, Adam, he tried to hide from God. 
and he couldn't hide. He not only tried to hide from God, he tried to make a covering to cover himself because, wait a minute, I got to hide myself from God. And God looked at his fig leaf and said, what is that? You think I can't see through a fig leaf? I'm God, man. (laughs) We can't hide. David prayed and he said, Lord, if I go here, you're there. If I go here, there. If I make my bed in hell, you're right there. I can't get away from you. (laughs) David came to understand you can't get away from the presence of God. The presence of God is here. You can't get away from it. But we try to hide ourselves from the presence of God. Remember we talked about Jonah the other day? It said that Jonah got on a boat to get away from the presence of God. But what did he do? He got out there and realized God was already there. (laughs) He's trying to get away from the presence of God, but you can't. So when we think about what prayer is and what prayer is not, prayer is not trying to find or get God's attention because he's already here. The presence of God is here. Don't say, but God is here. Don't get nervous. <laughs> Isaiah 52. Let's go to Isaiah 52. Isaiah chapter 52. Y'all know where Isaiah is? <laughs> it's almost the middle of your Bible. <laughs> Isaiah 52, and we're going to go, we're going to begin at verse 7. Isaiah 52, verse 7. Listen to this. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Your watchmen shall lift up their voices. With their voices they shall sing together, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. Break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare his holy arm. In the eyes of all the nations and all of the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. This passage is great because what this passage says is that there's something beautiful about good news when it comes. And there's something good about beautiful about messengers of good news. Who are you? You're messengers of good news. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, glad tidings. But sometimes the church has gotten good at bad news and not good news. 
But this passage says that there's something beautiful about the feet of people who bring good news, glad tidings of our God. And it goes on to talk about the fact that we should be able to sing and rejoice. Why? Because of the good news God has brought us. The first thing about prayer and talking to God is learning how to praise. Learning how to praise is the first step in becoming a person who excels in prayer. If you're a person of great prayer, you should be a person of great praise. What is it? The glad tidings, the fact that our God has brought salvation, the recognition that our creator didn't just make us and abandon us, our creator sent himself to us to be with us and be near us. Then he sent his spirit to be with us and to be in us. And with that spirit and the coming of Christ, all this says that God is a God of salvation and not just a creator of emptiness. I had a person who was sharing with me their anger concerning their father. And the anger concerning their father was that their father came, created them, and left. A lot of people identify with that. Father came, created me, left. I didn't meet him, don't see him, don't have a relationship with him. That's also how most people's perception of God is. That God is a creator, he made us, and left. But God says, no, I don't leave you. I so love the world that I came back into the world. And I sent my son that you might know him in flesh and blood. And his disciples knew him. And they said, wow, we knew him, but we don't know him like that anymore. We know that he's now our savior and he has now sent his spirit to be with us always. So God doesn't leave us alone. He sends a spirit into the world. And what does the spirit come? His spirit comes to be that abiding presence with us so that we're not just orphans, but we are 100% connected to our God. <laughs> you know it, but do you know it? <laughs> Matthew 21, verse 16. I'm just going to talk about praise for a minute. Is that Okay. And it's okay to praise while I'm talking to you. Matthew 21. We're going to start at verse 12 through 17. 12 through 16. Matthew 12, verse 12. Excuse me, Matthew 21, verse 12. 21, verse 12. Amen. Are you there? Amen. Amen. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Then he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Let's stop right there. My house should be called a house of prayer. He went in and turned over everything that wasn't right. And he says, my house is going to be called a house of prayer for all nations. Tell your neighbor, say, God's house, God's house. 
is a house of prayer. Now, later we found out that Jesus said that he wasn't talking about the temple. <laughs> he was talking about this temple. <laughs> this temple. This temple. My house shall be a called a house of prayer for all nations. What house? You. <laughs> You're the house of God. Do you know that? He said, what, in, in, in uh, John chapter 15, abide in me and my word shall abide in you. What does that mean? You live with me and I'll live in you. Amen. I'm coming to live with you. I'm coming to abide with you. I'm coming to live in my house. Where's my house? In your heart. This was a symbol of what he was going to do. He's going to come in and turn out all the money changers. All the money changers in your heart got to go. So you can become a house of prayer. <laughs> what's the money changers? It's all the things that are misusing what's in God's house. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Listen, when you become a house of prayer, the blind and the lame are going to come to you. <laughs> when you become a house of prayer, the blind and the lame, they're going to come to you and Jesus is going to heal them through you. Amen. Come on. Are y'all excited about that? <laughs> Verse 15. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Guess what? When you start doing what God told you to do, there might be some religious people that get indignant with you. There might be some religious folks who get indignant with you. That's what happened. He cleans out the temple, starts working miracles, and the religious people get mad. How are you going to get mad when people are getting healed? How are you going to get mad when people who are blind are all of a sudden, they're, they're, they're getting healed. People who have had afflictions for years are all of a sudden getting healed. How do you get mad at that? Wow. But according to the word, that's exactly what happened. They, they didn't just get mad. They got indignant. Tell your neighbor, say indignant. <laughs> I love the Bible's choice of words. They were indignant. You know what set them off? They set them off when all the little kids were praising screaming Hosanna. When the little kids were dancing and singing Hosanna, that's what set them off. <laughs> Verse 16. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? They called him the son of David. And Jesus said to them, yes, I heard it. <laughs> Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? Out of the mouth of babes and infants of kids, you perfected praise. That's how praise gets effective. Uh, 
Praise gets perfected through the mouth of children. Through the mouth of children. Through the mouth of children. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have perfected praise. But sometimes we want praise to be so elaborate and so sophisticated and so... that we lose the simple thing, what is it that children do? What is it that children, babes, little kids, what is it that perfects praise through them? What is it? It's genuine. It comes out of the heart. It just flows out of the heart. You put some, you put some music on and you put some kids and don't make no difference how big they are. And you say, let's just celebrate. They don't need a reason why. The music being on is enough. You know how to do the little baby rock. (laughs) The little little baby. (laughs) They don't need anything. They just just turn the music on. Watch it, watch it. They don't care who's looking. They don't care what people think about it. They're consumed with it. They're just consumed with it. The worship. They just get consumed with it. And that's what they do. And it's normal. And it's beautiful. And y'all all all know y'all been watching them YouTube videos with them babies. (laughs) You get captivated and you watch it and you've seen a bunch of them. You've already seen a million of them. But you stop and you got to watch that next one. Look at this one. He's leaning to the side. (laughs) Because there's something beautiful about innocent praise. And that's what God desires. See, the Pharisees got mad. Do you hear what these little kids are saying? Do you hear them crying out, you're the son of David? Do you hear that? He said, yeah, I hear that. Haven't you read? God said, this is how he perfects praise. Because they're not looking for religious system. They're looking for truth. They saw something true, something real. And that's what they said. That's what they emulated. That's what they did. That's right. <laughs> Man, these babies are always on time. Amen. That's what God said. That's how I perfect this stuff. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I got more notes than I'm going to use today. Go to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. I'm just going to hop around and show you some praise. Amen. Praise is not hard. Praise is easy. We just have to get praise perfected. Psalm chapter 8, verse 1 1 through 3. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. O Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to read that again. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You who are set with your glory above the heavens. Mm. Verse 2. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have ordained what? What? Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have ordained. Let me hear y'all say it. I want everybody in the room to say it. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, strength comes. God has ordained strength out of the mouths of babes and infants. (laughs) A helpless baby and an infant. Strength? Where is strength coming out of a baby's mouth? (laughs) And look at why. Because of your enemies. That you may silence the enemy and the avenger. I'm just going I'm just going I'm going to let you meditate on this. I'm not going to rush. Out of the mouths of babes and infants you perfected strength. Do you hear strength in that cry? couldn't have wrote this better. I'm telling you. (laughs) Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have perfected strength. Ordained strength. Naturally, it means nothing. Spiritually, it means everything. Spiritually, it means everything. Because what it means is that God's not looking for the strong. God's not looking for the self-capable. God's looking for those that can humble themselves like a child. If you want to be great in prayer... You got to learn how to humble yourself. You got to be able to acknowledge God for who He is. Oh, Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Your name is excellent. Your name is great. It is so much so that I'm going to make myself like a child before you. (laughs) All I know is how to make noise before you. All I know how to do is just be like a child and just cry when I need what I need. And just when I'm entertained, just say something awesome. Just, it doesn't have to be the right words. Matter of fact, nobody understands the words that the baby is saying. Only mama and God. Mama knows when eh means nothing. And she knows when eh means, come here. Mama knows when means I'm hungry. And when 
means I got a diaper that needs to be taken care of. (laughs) The thing about infants and babes that their cries only make sense to those who are most intimate to them. They don't mean anything to everybody else. It only means something to the one who's closest. And that's why it's ordained strength. Because when you're close to God, you become strong because God becomes your strength. Years ago, I read this article. I used to be a, a, a Reader's Digest reader. When I was a kid, and that's what they used to make. You got to read Reader's Digest. I thought, oh, do I have to? Yes, you got to. So I, you know, there's an article in one of them. And the article was about a woman whose baby had fallen under a car. And the whole story was about the woman's emotional response and how she, in nothing but her own strength and love, lifted the car to get the baby out. You know what that means? The baby didn't have to be strong enough to lift the car. The baby stuck under the car. The baby doesn't have to be strong enough to lift the car. Because the one who loves them is strong enough to lift the car. And when the one who loves you is strong enough to lift the car and you are the babe, you're the one who just... Then guess what? It means your cries ordain strength. Because your cry calls the one who loves you to you when you need the strength the most. Out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have ordained strength. In other words, the baby's not the strong one. The one who loves the baby's the strong one. And when you learn how to pray, when you learn how to get one with your creator, your cries will call your God to your aid. Because of your relationship. See, the same woman who could move a car with her babies under there can't move a car for somebody else's baby. (laughs) She's working from her own strength when it's somebody else's baby. But when it's her baby, she's got something supernatural that happens. Why? Because there's something about love that is strong. Tell your neighbor, say, I think praise may, may help me. <laughs> you might want to learn how to praise. To build that relationship between you and God so that when you have your infant cry, God is on the scene. Amen. Turn to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Verse 1 through 3. When you get there, tell your neighbor, I love to hear babies cry. (laughs) That's why you never hear me tell, get a baby out of here. You're never going to hear me say that. (laughs) I love to hear babies cry. 
I know what it means. Amen. Hallelujah. Psalm 23 verse, excuse me, I want to go Psalm 22 verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where have you heard that before? Here, Jesus say that on the cross, right? Jesus, you didn't know Jesus in his worst time of suffering, what comes out of his mouth? The word of God. <laughs> keep that one in mind. That's not the message today, but keep that one in mind. Amen? Amen. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you don't hear. And in the night season, and I'm not silent. But you are holy, who inhabit the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you, and they trusted, and you delivered them. Amen. Sometimes when you cry out, you say, God, where are you? But then you realize God inhabits his praises. God inhabits the praises of his people. He lives in our praises. So whenever we feel like God's not there, your answer is to praise, not to complain. When you feel like nothing's going right in your life and, man, God, where are you? Your answer is not to say, keep saying, God, where are you? Where are you? Your answer is to recognize God's always with you, and now it's time for you to praise. My God, why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you don't hear. And in the night season, I'm not silent, but you're holy, enthroned, inhabiting the praises of Israel. The praises of your people. God lives in the praises of his people. Tell your neighbor, say, God lives in my praise. Yes, God lives in your praise. He lives in your praise. He inhabits the praises of his people. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. If God lives in the praises of his people, Let's do this. Uh, go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Go to the right. Excuse me, to the left. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to go to verse uh, let's go to verse 20 through verse 22. God inhabits the praise of his people. Amen. Verse 20 says, when you get there, say amen. amen. Verse 20 says, and when they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa, and as they went out, Jehoshaphat, the king of Israel, stood and said, hear me, O Judah. And you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. I'm going to stop right there. Now, what is happening here is that the nation of Judah is going out to war. But there are three other armies that have come out against them. 
They went out for one, they got met by three. Amen? It's like you, 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 get, you get mad at somebody, have words in the hallway at work, and you know you ain't supposed to have words with them, but you did. And you said, I'm going to meet you outside. And when you get outside, it's the guy you had something with and his two friends. Let's put it in that context. We got it? <laughs> so Jehoshaphat the king, when his nation has to go out against these other armies, they had received a prophetic word. And the prophetic word they received from the prophet was that, listen, you won't have to fight. You're just going to go out and praise. Now, you know what? Same scenario. You step outside. It's three people waiting on you. And all of a sudden, you prophetically hear in your spirit, just praise. Just praise right now. These guys ain't trying to sing with me. (laughs) I need to just swing. No, don't swing. Just praise. It doesn't make any sense to the mind, does it? It doesn't make any sense at all. But God doesn't have to make sense because he made the world. Amen? Verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness. I want you to notice something here. He said some to sing and some to praise. He said some to sing and he said some to praise because praise isn't always singing and singing isn't always praise. He said some to sing and he said some to praise. Amen. Are you with me? Who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord. For his mercy endures forever. Now, when they had began to sing and to praise, there it is again. It's twice out of every mouth. Let every, every witness got to have two mouths agree. Amen. Now, when they had began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, who had come against Judah and they were defeated. See, the the prayer of the babe who's dependent upon the parent. The prayer of the babe, the praise of the babe who's dependent upon the parent caused the parent to come down and take care of the business. Why do we pray? We pray because when we pray, we don't have to have all the answers. When we pray, we don't have to have all the answers. When we pray, we are calling God into our circumstances, which allows him to do supernatural things, which makes us problem solvers. Supernaturally. (laughs) Without having answers. Without having answers, I am a problem solver. Why? Because I pray. And when I pray, God talks to me and shows me how I should go. And sometimes he says, don't do anything, just praise. Sometimes he says, go over here, just stand over on the left side. 
I know it's y'all left. I know it's my right. And so just y'all know that. I'm <laughs> Stand on the left side. What did you hear the word today? Pastor Ed says, sometimes God's using a GPS. He's recalculating you. He's moving you out of harm's way. But it comes from the conversation in prayer, talking to God, listening to God, moving with God. But it starts with praise. Learning how to praise. I'm going to show you one more passage and then we're going to close. Go back to Psalm 150. Psalm 150, verses 1 through 6. Psalm 150, verses 1 through 6. Psalm 50 is the last psalm. It's how David decided to end the book of Psalms. He decided to end it with this simple thing. Are you ready? We're going to end it with one simple thing. Is that all right? Praise the Lord! Exclamation point at the end of it means uh, exclaim to say it with force so that it means something. Praise the Lord! Praise God in his sanctuary. Where's the sanctuary? You're the sanctuary. That means inside of you, praise should be happening. With an exclamation point. (laughs) Praise the Lord. On the inside, praise should be happening. Amen? Praise should be happening. (laughs) where's your exclamation point man where's your exclamation point praise the Lord in his sanctuary praise the Lord in his sanctuary (laughs) praise him in his mighty firmament the firmament is the earth (laughs) y'all Praise him in his mighty firmament. In other words, praise him in in the world that he created. (laughs) Praise him for his mighty acts. Has anybody had God work some mighty acts in your life? Praise him for his mighty acts. Listen. When I broke my foot, I went to the doctor. And so when I'm at the doctor, he takes the x-ray, he's looking at it, and he goes to explain to me what is wrong with my foot. He tells me, you have fractured your sesamoid bone on the bottom of your foot. The sesamoid is one of three bones on the bottom of everyone's foot. There are two directly behind your big toe. There's one behind your small toe. The sesamoid is not connected to any other bones. 
It sits suspended in a bag of ligaments that are attached to the bottom of your foot. They're not part of the rest of the foot. The rest of the foot is all connected except for the sesamoids. They stand independently, wrapped in ligaments under your foot, and they are there to be a leverage point. So that all of your weight that goes on your ball of your foot, if the ball of your foot slammed directly onto the ground, then it would shatter. So the sesamoids are there in order to do like a lever so that your weight gets shifted from back to forward so that your foot doesn't break under the weight of your body. And so I'm listening to it and I'm going, wow, that's, that's amazing. And then my doctor says, he said, there should never ever be a podiatrist who studies the foot and doesn't believe that there's a God. He said, just the placement of this bone and just how this bone works. If you understand how this bone works, you cannot deny that the body is created. It's machined. It's, de- it's designed. It's, it's designed to operate. It doesn't just happen. This is designed to work this way. This is just this, these three bones didn't randomly fold into place. They're there by design. <laughs> That's what my doctor told me. <laughs> Praise him for his mighty acts. Sometimes the fact that you were fearfully and wonderfully made is just enough to praise God for. Just to, just to understand how you're designed, how you're made is enough to say, man, there is a God and I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him and I can walk and talk. I can move backwards and forwards. I got, man, I was watching a Lexus commercial the other day. <laughs> and they were talking about how the human being has perfect 360 degree hearing. And I was like, "Woo! praise God for his mighty acts. You could be coming up behind me. I can hear you back there. <laughs> I got 360 degree hearing. I can hear everything. Why? Because my body's designed. Even though my ears are facing forward, I can hear what's behind me. Come on, man. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's a reason to praise. That's a reason to give God some praise for how good he is. Man. (laughs) Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Not just his greatness, his excellent greatness. The greatness that's over and above regular greatness. You know how there's playoff teams and then there's NBA champions? That's excellence over greatness. Amen. You like football? You know, you got the football playoffs and you got the Super Bowl winner. Excellence over greatness. Amen. (laughs) Praise him for his excellent greatness. (laughs) Over and top, over and above. Amen. Oh, man, come on. Praise him, verse three, with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. 
Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with high-sounding cymbals. And then the best passage in the whole Bible. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. (laughs) If you got breath, if you got breath, you need to praise the Lord. Amen. This is how prayer starts. When I first guided my life to the Lord, I learned how to pray with a little simple acronym, A-C-T-S. That's what they told me. Remember this, A-C-T-S. Can can you remember that? Yes, A-C-T-S. I got it. What does it stand for? A, adoration. C, confession. T, thanksgiving. And S, supplication. I said, can you remember that? Yeah, I can remember that. Begin with A for adoration. Praise is adoration for God. It's how you start praying. It's how you start praying. If you can start your prayer life in the morning with praise, the rest of your prayer life will be magnificent. If you can begin with praise, if you could just begin with praise, amen? We can just begin with praise. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to start some prayer. We're going to start prayer with some praise. Amen? Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to follow this passage of of Scripture. We're going to follow Psalm chapter 50. We're going to praise the Lord in his sanctuary and in his mighty firmament. We're going to praise him for his mighty acts. We're going to praise him for his excellent greatness. And guess what? We're just going to do it right now. Amen. Hallelujah. You can feel free to praise whenever you're ready. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we're going to bring our praise down for just a moment. We're going to bring our praise down just a minute. I'm going to teach you something right now. I'm going to teach you something. If you remember this, this will, will liberate you wonderfully. The reason praise is perfected in infants and children is because praise is released from the inside. The more you have to think about it, the less praise it is. Praise gets released. It's praise that you meditate on who God is. And then you release the response to who God is. Spontaneous release of praise. And it can happen anytime, anytime, anytime. And there's a time to shout in praise. And there's a time to be quiet and still in praise. There's a time to celebrate in praise. And there's a time to just lay before the Lord in praise. But either way, it's the releasing of the inside, of the gratitude of what God has done, who God is, the fact that he's your creator. He's your maker. And he didn't leave you an orphan. He came to see about you. Remember, we read in 2 Chronicles, they had the singers and the praisers. And you might say to yourself, I don't sing well. I don't, I don't sing. Guess what? You don't need to sing to praise. You can praise from the inside. There's some people who are gifted to sing and they sing praises to the Lord. But praise doesn't escape those of us who aren't gifted vocally. Because the vocal thing that we all have in common is we can make some noise. <laughs> and we can make some joyful noise before the Lord. Joyful noise before the Lord. When things get toughest in your life is when you, like the baby under the car, you cry out in praise. You cry out in praise. You don't cry out in sadness. Cry out in praise. And when you cry out in praise, your God will see about you. Come on, come on. You're God who loves you. Just like you are. If you never get any better than you are today, God loves you today. Come on, come on. You don't have to get perfect for God to love you. Some people, you got to be perfect for them to love you. But God doesn't require perfection from us. That's why Jesus came to deal with those of us that can acknowledge that we're not perfect. <laughs> the beauty of the cross is that someone died for us so that we could once and for all be reconciled to God and have the freedom and the power of praise as ours. As ours. Continually. We can continually praise the Lord. This week, get into prayer. Get into prayer. If you don't know what else to do, just thank God for stuff that you just see around you. Thank him for the lights in your house. God, some, thank you for supernaturally revealing to somebody how to make a light bulb. Hallelujah. Praise God. What a miracle. What a miraculous thing you did with that man. I praise God for that. 
Praise God. Everything you have, give God thanks and praise for. And watch your attitude in your life just take a new shape right before your eyes. The enemy wants to keep you in condemnation and sadness. And God wants to keep you in joyful praise. Joyful praise. Joyful praise. Your circumstances are bad. Start to praise. Start to praise. Lord, I thank you, Lord. I give you thanks for everything great in my life. Woo! Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I've been a junior in college for 27 years. But praise the Lord. Going back to school today. Hallelujah. Y'all laughing. That's my life. Come on. Praise the Lord for whatever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for my rebellious kids. I thank you, Lord, that they acting crazy because they don't understand you yet. But I thank you, Lord, that you're manifesting yourself in their life, that you're going to show yourself strong in their life like you showed yourself strong in my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you reveal understanding when I praise you. When I praise you, Lord, I thank you. You reveal yourself in mighty ways. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Woo. The word says, count it all joy when you fall into divers trials. Why? Because in my trials, I'm going to praise and God's going to reveal things to me in my praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. You never got, you never know God better than when you meet him in a crisis. When you meet God in a crisis and he teaches you how to praise in the middle of your crisis, man, you just get to know him so awesome. (laughs) You get to know him so well. Amen. I got my crisis people in the the corner saying, yes, Lord. That's where we got to know him. (laughs) Praise God. Woo. We're going to take 60 seconds and praise him. 60 seconds. I'm going to set my alarm. We're going to praise him for 60 seconds. Let everything that has breath praise him for 60 seconds starting right now. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We praise you, Lord. Lord, you're so good to me. Thank you, Lord. I give you praise. Lord, I thank you that your grace has been sufficient for me every day of my life. Hallelujah. I thank you. You've met me in my times of crisis and trials, Lord. You've been with me all the way. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy, Lord. I thank you for your praise that you put in my heart and my mind, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you've been so good. I thank you for being so good to me. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for your blessing. Hallelujah. I thank you for my wife, for my children, Lord God. 
I thank you for everything that you perfect around me in the name of Jesus. I thank you for my mother, Lord, bearing with my weaknesses and my challenges growing up. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I thank you for every good and perfect gift. I thank you for every job I've had. I thank you for always providing for my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you've been a continual help to me every day of my life. I thank you, Lord. I praise you. Sixty seconds is up, but you can continue if you like. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God and thanks for listening. Today's message was titled Praise Him from our series, 40 Days of Prayer. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at alwc.us. On our site, you'll find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. Once again, the site is alwc.us. You can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.